The following audio is from Redeemer Anglican Church in Richmond, Virginia. More information about Redeemer is available online at RedeemerRVA.org. We come now to the reading of God's Word. First reading is from Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, and then again verses 8 through 13. Uh, You can find this on page 750 of the Black Pew Bible, which is right in front of you. And just as a reminder, we say this each week, but uh, if you don't have a Bible or would like one, we would love for you to take this home as a gift from Redeemer. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And out of verse eight. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken up and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now, friends, let's stand together for the reading of the gospel. If you still have a Bible in hand, you're going to turn forward to the gospel of John. You can find that on page 886. We're going to read from John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Friends, this is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites to Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel." And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descended, the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. 
I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Let's be seated. Well, folks, it's my pleasure to introduce to you, if you do not already know him, the Reverend Danny Hindman. Danny has served for the past 18 months as Redeemer's church planter in residence. Now, what on earth does that mean? Uh, Well, it means that back in the summer of 2021, Danny and his wife Emily, and then three kids, now four kids, well done, um, uh, moved to the city of Richmond and joined the team here in order to carefully discern and prepare and strategize and get ready to establish, or we might say plant, a new church here in the Metro Richmond area. And Danny and, uh, his, and his wife, Emily, and their family have really done a fantastic job. They've not only served faithfully here in Redeemer's Parish, but they've also done the good hard work of discerning a neighborhood, um, of raising the resources, of gathering a team, and then equipping that team to do the incredibly complex work of establishing a new church here in the city. And so on November 20th, just two weeks from now, we're going to have a commissioning service And we're going to call up the Hindman family and the Camo family and all the other folks um, that are going out of Redeemer to go plant this new church to be commissioned and to leave this place and to go and do good work for the glory of God, for the common good, and for the kingdom. And Danny, uh, as much as we are excited about that Sunday, it is also bittersweet because we've loved having you and your presence has been a gift, not only to me, but also to, to the whole parish. Thank you. Um, We wanted Danny to come and and preach one last time while he was still one of us. I'm sure we'll have him come back to preach, but when he does so, he'll be coming back as the rector of all souls, as a stranger, you know, visiting. Uh, But this is your last time to preach to us when you're not a guest preacher. So Danny, thanks for being here. Heavenly Father, thank you for my friend and brother and co-laborer, Danny. I pray that you would speak through him to us this morning. Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds? to receive your word to us through your servant, Danny. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. Um, Many of you have heard me say something to this effect, but I don't think I've ever said it up front uh, so that you guys could all hear it. But it's important to say, I think, since this is my last time uh, in front of you guys, as one of you, um, <clears throat> it's important to say that this season, this year and a half for um, myself and for my family have been really restful. Uh, and you might not think that that would be a restful season having like moved across the country and then moving across town and having a new baby and planting a new church and all these kinds of things. Um, but truly, it's been a wonderful time for us to kind of uh, recover and recuperate. And uh, we have just felt so profoundly well supported Um, not just by the Redeemer staff, but by um, you all, by the parish. I mean, you guys just finished bringing us meals for the birth of our new baby, and then um, my household, uh, all my my kids and my wife have been sick this week, and uh, you have started to try to do that again, and we don't need it. But um, just the fact that many of you started texting and calling and asking if there was anything you could do for us, just, it means a lot to us. And we're so grateful uh, for our time here. And we have felt so, again, so well supported by you. So thank you. Um, This morning, though, 
I'm here to preach and not just say thank you. So um, we are wrapping up a 11 or 12, 12 week series that we've been in um, on the book of Daniel. Now, uh, just by way of orientation, uh, we have been in the season of ordinary time. Today is a bit of a special day. It's, we're celebrating uh, All Saints Day. It's why we've got these white scarf stole things on. It's why the, the table is white. And it's, it's when we celebrate um, all of the saints, all of the people that God has drawn to himself throughout the ages, God's faithfulness to build his church. It's a great day of celebration. Um, but through this series, we've been in the season of ordinary time when we uh, join the church around the world to take the story of Jesus and not just one uh, a particular aspect of the story, but we, we try to take the totality of the story and apply it to our lives in the world, our, our regular and mundane lives in the world. And the way that we've done that as a parish this fall is through an exposition of the book of Daniel. Um, now, uh, what we are doing or what we have been doing in this series is, is trying to learn together what it might mean to be faithful, to be a faithful expression of the body of Christ in our place and in our time. Right, in the city of Richmond in 2022. Um, and now Daniel, was a, uh, he had a strong name, and he was also a prophet of, uh, uh, of God in the Old Testament. He's a man who lived nearly all his life as a foreigner. He's not in his hometown, and a captive. Uh, and, and he served the very empire that destroyed his homeland. So he was a man who took God's call to his people very seriously, to seek the welfare of the places in which God's people find themselves. He took this, with, this call with great seriousness and to great effect. But he was also a prophet, and so that meant that he received visions from God, and he was a particular kind of prophet because those visions, many of those visions that he received are rightly called apocalyptic because they have to do with the end. You may have noticed that in the reading. It's a bit of a strange reading uh, from Daniel chapter 12. And what we find in this last chapter of Daniel, I think, is at once troubling and comforting as Daniel recounts his vision, uh, this vision in which he is told that after all is said and done, after all of the, the rage of the nations uh, has been used up and spent, that God's people will find their place, their rightful place uh, with God. And in the meantime, to go about their lives to wait and to live in peace. So let me pray and then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for today and for um, these wonderful people who've been baptized into your church. Um, God, we praise you on this uh, day when we celebrate all of the saints of your church that you will build your church and nothing will get in the way. And God, I pray now that you would be present with us in this place, in this time as you um, have promised to be and therefore always are. And I pray for myself um, as I preach and as the word is read that you'd be at work um, upon us, forming us into better lovers of you and of our neighbor. And I pray lastly that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. <clears throat> Amen. Um, so I'm not, I'm not like a full-blown Anglophile, but I do find British culture fairly interesting. And um, you know, the, the Queen Elizabeth died recently. You guys heard about that? Yep. So she died recently. That's had me reading some, I don't know, more British stuff. And I've been reading the BBC more frequently. And the British are famous for lots of things, but I think one of the most hilarious things that they are famous for is uh, waiting in line. Do you guys know this? The British are famous for waiting in line. They even have their own word for it. 
It's called queuing. Some Americans who are trying to be, I think, kind of like cool and uh, fancy have started saying queuing instead of waiting in line. Have you heard this? Maybe you've said it. They have their own name for it. It's queuing. And I was reading this article in the BBC. This is an actual article in the BBC that I saw this week. And it said this. It said, queuing. It's what the British are renowned for doing and doing very well. Better than anyone else in the world if reputation is to be believed. You guys don't think that's funny? (laughs) I think that's funny. I think it's hilarious. Like they used to have an empire and now they're the best in the world at standing in line. But as I was thinking about preaching this text this week and I was comparing that BBC article to Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter 12, which I was probably the only person in the world doing that this week, I was thinking about that and, uh, and how that is not an article that would ever get published in an American newspaper extolling the virtues of standing in line. But perhaps I thought maybe we are the worst for that. Because the older I get and the more that I read the Bible, and if, you have ever even, if you've ever read the Psalms, um, you'll notice that one of the most common reflected upon experiences of God's people is waiting. It's true from the very beginning of God's acts of redemption, right? This is in the, the story that the Bible tells. He calls a man named Abram and he tells him to go. He doesn't tell him where to go. He says, you need to wait for that. And then he says, you're gonna be the father of many nations and he has to wait 25 years to have one kid. And then that nation grows so much so that it is enslaved in a land that is not its own for 400 years. And then they're delivered in the great exodus from Egypt, but then they have to wander around for good reason, but they have to wander around in the desert and wait to get into the promised land for 40 more years. And then once they're in the land, through their own disobedience, they lose their, their inheritance to that land and are sent out. And then some of them get to return and they have to wait another 400 years after that for the arrival of God in Jesus Christ. And for our part, if you're here and you're part of the Christian church, while the arrival of Jesus really does actually si- signal the, the arrival of the last days, it's been the last days for about 2,000 years. And all of God's church has endured 2,000 years of of waiting. And of course, it is important and a great comfort, I think, for me and and hopefully for you that, you know, Peter reminds us in his second epistle that a thousand years to the Lord is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. That's great. But to us, a thousand years is like a thousand years. And a day is like a day. And one of the fundamental experiences of the Christian church then, of the saints of God, is that we wait. We are, among many other things, awaiting people. You know, faith, as the author to the Hebrews says, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so the persistent question that I think is presented, among all the other questions that we ask about our lives and the world and about God, the persistent question presented to the saints of God is why God is so long in coming. Why he is so long in making things right and delivering us from ourselves, from others, and from the sin that runs rampant in this world. And the the end of the book of Daniel is essentially one extended vision. Starts in chapter 10, goes all the way through chapter 12. and, and, And it speaks of 
these two, I think, most common fears, at least for me, and I'm guessing also for you, that arise when we embrace our vocation of waiting, which is that we are alone in our waiting and that our waiting is in vain. And what the text actually teaches us, it it gives us answers to those two questions. And the first is that we do not actually, no matter how it feels, ever wait alone. You are not alone. And we do not wait in vain. So look at verse one. At that time, this is a part of, uh, he's following up on this vision that is going on in chapters 10 and 11. At that time shall arise Michael, God speaking to Daniel here. He says, the great prince, Michael's the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been, such, such never has been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Now, Michael shows up here. He shows up in uh, chapter 10, uh, and he is called the, the prince in charge of the people of God. Now, in the, in the Christian tradition, this is Michael the archangel. Um, he is described as the archangel in the New Testament in Jude 9. He shows up again in, in Revelation 12. And in some sense, Michael is the protector and defender of the people of God. Always has been, always will be. And at that time, the, that reference at the beginning of chapter 12 is this uh, reference to a period of, of attack, of war. It's described as war, but a period of attack upon the people of God. Now, the point here that I think we need to pay attention to is, is for, for Christians on this side of the incarnation, is not that we should try to find some correlation between the kings and the nations and the armies of chapter 11, although some Christians have tried to do that, usually to uh, ill effect. The point for us this morning on this side of the incarnation is that God's people have never been alone. Not then and not now. On this side of the incarnation and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have the Spirit of God in us. And even still, Michael attends to us. He and his angels, just as they did to Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when St. John gets insight into what is actually going on in the heavenly places, in the throne room of God, he sees the prayers of the saints rising up into this throne room like incense. So the point that I want you to understand, you who are here and you're a Christian and you find yourself waiting, which is everybody in this room, the point to take from the first verse of chapter 12, tell me if this sounds familiar, is yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Now I know some of you walked into this room, you walked through those doors this morning, you, you woke up today in your room, maybe with someone next to you, maybe not, feeling utterly alone. feeling that no one in this world would be your advocate or your guide. And what Daniel is telling us is that for the people of God, that is never, in fact, no matter how it feels, in fact, it is never the case. No matter how desolate a situation you find yourself in, you are always attended to by God, yes, and even by his angels and by the prayers of the people of God. These people of God in their suffering and doubt, in their failure, in their joy, in their confusion, in their hope, in their waiting, 
for God to come and finally, like finally do something, to come and to make things right. In your waiting for that, you are never alone. But Daniel's also saying, among other things, that your waiting is never in vain. And this is because no matter what occurs, according to this apocalyptic vision given to Daniel in chapter 12 and then revealed in the arrival and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that those who wait and arrive at the so-called end of days, Daniel's phrase here, the end of days, they shall rest and shall stand in their allotted place. Now he's talking about the resurrection of all the dead and and, and that of God's people to everlasting life. And you see this in verses two and three. God again says to Daniel, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Listen, Christianity... Uh, this thing that we're doing here, uh, these um, robes that I'm wearing that are kind of silly, but I think are great. Um, me standing here talking, you sitting there listening, the songs, the prayers, the readings, the ethical life that we strive towards, the sacraments even. All of this stuff, it depends on something. And the something that it depends on is whether or not this resurrection that's talked about here in in Daniel chapter 12 and then described in the Gospels is true. And if it isn't true, then I'm standing up here like an idiot, dressed like an idiot, certainly, and then also speaking like an idiot. And you are sitting there like fools, wasting your time on a Sunday morning. But if it is true... If the scriptures are true, and I'm persuaded that they are true, then my God, my God, none of our waiting is in vain. And it is all worth it. Because there will be a day when death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And so, people of God seeking to be faithful in the city Verse 13, go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. And pray for us, we who are going to plant all souls, Anglican church, that that too would be our hope and our comfort. Amen. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your word to us and the way that you gave your word to Daniel and the way that you preserved it. And give to us to read on a Sunday morning in the year 2021 and, wait, 22? 22. Anyway, God, I thank you so much (laughs) for how kind you are to us and for the hope that you've given us. And I pray that you would help us to believe that we are never alone and that our waiting and our striving and our hoping is not and never will be in vain. And I pray that you would preserve us to the end so that we could take our allotted place next to you in the new heavens and the new earth. We pray for these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.